invite you now to um, pull out your connection card. It's this uh, brown, brown and white card inside your bulletin. And it's an opportunity for you to connect with us, uh, giving us the opportunity to connect with you. If you just write whatever you like in there, and, and um, on the back side, there are ways you can communicate in other ways, asking questions or checking something. And know that if you ask for prayer, uh, we will definitely be praying for you. We meet on Sundays before the service, and we have a group that prays for, for those who fill out these connection cards and, and other requests. Okay, so as you're doing that, let me um, look at us, what, what else we have. On the back of your bulletin, there are more, uh, b- more announcements. Uh, there is no lunch today. There's no food and fellowship today. So, you have a, so after service today, you're free to, to leave and just uh, celebrate Easter in the way that you, you would like to. And many of you have tradition that you'll be going to. Uh, there's Orange Family Time next Sunday, Young Marriage Fellowship next Sunday, a lot of things next Sunday, Single Adult Dinner next Sunday. Uh, so just keep these things in mind on the back of your bulletin. To have your Bible, I invite you to open up to Mark chapter 16. We're going to have it on the screen here, so don't worry about it if you don't have a Bible on you or if you just feel kind of lazy today. Mark chapter 16, I'm going to read verses 2 through 6. It says, Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which is very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Let's pray. Father, as we get into this most wonderful stories, Father, we pray that you'll speak to us. We're talking about the supernatural. We're talking about the spiritual here. And uh, if we, and, and, and Lord, we need you to touch our hearts and minds to make this Uh, really relevant to us this morning. So bless us this morning with your presence and your touch. Teach us your lesson. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, what's going on in your life? You know, I know that, you know, when you have a gathering like this and and people come in, we're we're coming from different lives out there. uh, And there are different things that are affecting your life. Take, for example, you know, for some of you, your bodies just aren't cooperating as well as they could. We turn on the news and there are terror, terrorist bombings all around us, regularly. How's your work going? Would some of you like to change jobs? Different environment, different pay. And think about it, who in the world is going to lead this country? You know, we're gathered this morning, and this is a really short time when you just think about our time here. We're gathered, but I want to give us the opportunity to kind of step back in life, kind of think of your life and just kind of step back and just kind of get a, 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 a different perspective of how the world is going around you, a big picture. A picture that pertains not just to your life here and now, but a picture that will kind of give you a glimpse 
of maybe all your tomorrows. It's kind of a crazy thought when you think about it, but uh, we want to talk about what is really reality here when we think about the Easter story. When we think of the unchurched world, the story of Easter is, is kind of like folklore. Um, some of them think it's like a, a fabricated happy ending to this book. Uh, some people might think it's something that was invented so that those of faith can kind of anchor onto it and latch onto that and have something to hold on to. So my question to all of us this morning is really, what is the message of Easter? When we go through the Bible, it, there, there's a truckload of, of lessons here, there's a, of, of truths and things to understand. But when we boil down the, the message of Easter, and you sift it through my simple little mind, I come up with a few points. The first point I want to share with you this morning is that, that God loves you. Now, <laughs> you know, that sounds pretty generic, and it's not really a big, big punchline there, but let's face it, you guys are, many of you are very unlovable. <laughs> See, the whole gospel, the whole reason why Jesus was born and we celebrated on Christmas in the manger in Bethlehem, the whole reason he's, he, he came at all begins in love. It's all about love. When we look at 1 John, 1 John 4, 8, John wrote, whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. See, love, people. Love. That we cannot separate love from the message of Easter. What other world religion has at its heart, its core existence, love? Think about it. We hear the term extremist. Every time you turn on the news, every time you open a magazine, open a newspaper, extremists, Muslim extremists, boom, 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 death, chaos. Do you ever think about a Christian extremist? If you want to be a Christian extremist, you've got to take a bullet for a stranger. You want to be a Christian extremist, you, you just empty your bank account for your friend. You want to be a Christian extremist? You go to your neighbor who you barely know and you sit down with them and you shed tears. That is a Christian extremist. God is love. And when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, His love becomes part of our spiritual DNA. And because of this, no matter how mushy and silly it might sound, we become more loving. And because of Jesus in us, just like the verse says, nothing can separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ. But why? Let's think about it. Why were we separated from God's love in the very first place? 
Why were we separated? The problem is, and we, we, we sing about it, we hear it, it's this word sin. It just means you're not perfect, and God is. It means that you're not holy, and God is. We are sinners. We are, are our humanity that is fallen. You know it. Think about your thoughts when no one knows what you're thinking. Think about the things you do in the darkness. Think about the stuff you don't conceal to the rest of the world, but it is there and you know it's there. I mean, we are a fallen people. We, that's just our nature, our sin nature. Sin was like the great valley that separated man from God. That big separation there. But then Jesus did the unthinkable. He did the unthinkable. Look at John 19. 28 to 30. Let me see if I can turn to that real fast. John 19, 28 to 30. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What was finished? Just like what Paul wrote in 8.1. Romans 8.1, Paul wrote, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Was there ever? Yes. Was there ever condemnation in us? Yes, there was. Paul wrote, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Before Jesus, all humanity was separated from God. We had fallen short of being like God. And so how can we have that relationship with him? We're the humanity that's flawed. So Jesus did the unthinkable. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You ever give, you ever give something really wonderful to, to that child who's been misbehaving, like going nuts and writing on your walls and doing all this crazy stuff? You ever give something really good? You deserve ice cream. No. See, we didn't deserve anything. We didn't deserve anything at all. It's what you call grace. We're receiving what God gives us out of grace, something we don't deserve, salvation in Jesus Christ. See, in God's eyes, through faith in Jesus, we are no longer sinners, but we are now, in his eyes, saints. We are, are no longer enemies in God's eyes. We are now his child. That's incredible transformation, all because of who? All because of Jesus. When Jesus came to this world, he referred to himself as the Son of God, but he also referred to himself as the Son of Man. Why? Because he came to us in the body of a man, born in human form. He sat down and he lived among us. He ate with us. He small talked with us. He hung out with us. And he died on the cross in our place. The Son of Man, he took our place on that cross. He took our place to die 
a spiritual death that all of us deserved. He did the unthinkable. Okay, so what's Easter? Is that part of Easter? Yes, but let's go on. Easter is the great hope. The great hope. We read earlier, though, the women who loved Jesus went to the tomb on Sunday. As a matter of fact, that's why we gather on Sunday, right? Sabbath is really Saturday. We gather on Sunday. We say, because it's the day of the resurrection. And when they went there, he wasn't there. Look back at Mark 16, verses 5, 5 and 6. Mark 16, 5 and 6. As they entered the tomb... They saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But then Jesus did appear to him. We go on in our reading, and we read this. Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave Galilee, and there they shall see me. When we pull this all the way into the 21st century, think about it. You know, Jesus rose from the dead. He could have done it privately. He could have done it without anyone seeing him, but he rose from the dead to show the world then and to show us today in the 21st century that there is life after physical death. There is life after physical death. And you're thinking, well, so what? So what? Okay, you're not thinking with me. Let's think about it a little longer. What is your greatest fear? What do you think brings the greatest sorrow in your life? Both have to do with death. See, God knows this. God knows this, and he sent Jesus to get comfort in both of these inescapable life experiences. See, there's no place on earth, no place on earth that could come close to the matchless beauty and wonder of heaven. Okay, but for this morning, let's imagine something. Let's imagine what if death was like, it's time for you to pack your bags and go to Hawaii. Okay? Hey, you're away from your loved ones. You're, you're splitting. They're, you're out of sight. You're no longer. You're in Hawaii. Okay? Now, what if losing a loved one was like them packing their bags and moving to Hawaii, and you know that shortly you're going to pack your bags and go to Hawaii too? See, get it, people? Easter is about Hawaii. Aloha? Come on. See, are you, is it still that scary? Does it still ring with that much sorrow and sadness? 
It'll never take away at all. I don't care what you think. You can believe that heaven is as real as the seat you're sitting on. The reality of heaven will never take away all our fear of death. The reality of heaven will never take away all the sadness and sorrow that, that death brings when a loved one goes away. But what it does do, it will build inside of you a foundation of peace and trust that is going to be there forever. And in those dark times, you're going to know it's there. And it is going to bless you. See, in all seriousness, if this is true, if there really is life after physical death, if there really can be incredible family reunions in this place called heaven, can there be anything greater than the message of Easter? See, that is the great hope that Easter gives us. But there's more. We're going to go on. There's more. There is a story in the Bible that takes place right after Jesus resurrected. And it's a really neat story. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty easy to relate to. Let's turn to Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 24. If not, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen. We'll be all right. Luke chapter 24, I'm going to read two verses here, verses 13 and 14. Now that same day, this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Okay, these two guys were believers, semi-believers in Jesus probably. They weren't particularly followers of Jesus, but they pretty much believed that Jesus was who he said he was. They heard all the stories, they heard about his miracles, and they said, wow, man, this guy has to be something special. And, and, and that's how they thought of him. But after, after standing in the crowd, after looking afar and seeing this man Jesus being beaten practically to death, after seeing him nailed to a cross on a hill and just hanging there for hours and hours and hours, I th they probably had their doubts. They're probably wondering, wow, I wonder if this guy really is who we thought he was. Let's go back to our story. Let's look at 15 through 19. It says here, As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. 
See, it's as if Jesus kind of veiled their, their mind. And, and Jesus simply appears alongside them on the road and, and joins in the conversation. Kind of neat, very casual. And they're journeying for what? Seven miles, think about it. You're walking, what, what do people walk? Maybe three miles an hour. So they're walking for over two hours, just walking along, and Jesus is talking to them, and, and they're bringing stuff up, and he's probably replying in a way that they never thought of before, and it's going back and forth, back and forth. And by the time they get to their destination, these guys are thinking, wow, this was really fun. This was cool. Hey, hey. Guy, would you like to stay with us? Come on, stay the night with us. It's getting kind of late. Stay, join us tonight. So Jesus accepts your invitation. He stays with them. Look at verse 30 to 34. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then... Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Wow, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true! The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Pretty neat story, huh? Pretty simple story when you think about it. You know, when we think of the appearances of Jesus during the 50 days prior to, from, from the time he rose from the dead, 50 days to the time he ascended into heaven, there are, there are countless sightings of Jesus. But this one, I like. It was one I thought was really a special one. And this and for these couple of reasons. Number one, I like this story because it communicates in a very clear way that God is real and alive. That Jesus, being equal with the Father in every way, shows in this story God's desire to reveal himself to us. God wants you to believe and me to believe that without a doubt that he is real and that he is alive. You know, when Paul the Apostle, we read in the Bible, when he entered Athens, Greece, Paul entered the city of Athens and he looked around and he saw all these statues of all the Greek gods. And he said, they're worshiping stone, which is dead. See, the Bible... The God of the Bible is real. The God of the Bible is alive. But when we think about that, it really takes faith for us to believe that he is. Why is that? Because we're, we're logical, aren't we? We're rational. We're, we're, we're science-believing 21st century adults. Right? But I want you to realize something. Through the centuries, there have been much smarter people than you who have believed in Jesus and died for that faith. So don't give up. Don't give up. Some of this is just, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Don't give up. 
What does it say in Matthew 17, 20? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it shall be done. Okay, it shall be so. Hyperbole, okay? Hyperbole, but let's think about this. How big is a mustard seed? A mustard seed is like a grain of sand. Do you have that much faith? It's like a grain of sand. You may be thinking there right now, no, I came here for breakfast. Okay, granted, you came here for breakfast. I hope you liked it. But for you to not have gone home right after breakfast and to be sitting in here means that you must have at least maybe a half a grain of faith. And, and you don't need much. You just got to keep at it. Just keep at it. Hang in there. If you seek him, I guarantee you're going to find him. If you truly are questioning, is this God of the Bible real? I guarantee he will reveal himself to you. He wants you to believe. And every little tidbit that you hear about God can tip the scales of your heart. The second thing we learn about this story about this road, uh, these two guys traveling with Jesus, is God of the Bible is a personal God. See, see, some of life's best conversations happen while on a walk. You ever found that? You ever walk with someone? I don't care where you're. Well, you're walking from your car to, to Angel Stadium. You're walking from, you know, from this point to that point, and, and you're just talking. And some of the best conversations happen in a walk. Think about it. Before that walk, those two guys viewed Jesus from, whoa, way afar. They viewed him from standing in a crowd. They saw him hanging on a cross up there on that Mount Calvary. They viewed him from afar. Then what happened? Jesus of the resurrection met them close up. He met them close up, and it changed their lives forever. See, I'm not a real touchy-feely guy. I'm not a touchy-feely guy. But I had to become more touchy-feely when I lived in Brazil. Some of you don't know, I was a missionary in Brazil for 14 years, my wife and I. And I was a pastor there. And so we had, would have two services a Sunday, one in the morning and one in the evening. Same people, but every time we had a service, I had to, I had to give an, a, an abraço. Abraço in Portuguese means a hug. So every morning and evening, I'm giving an abraço. I'm giving a hug to everyone in the church. Man, that's a lot of hugs. You know, I didn't hug before I went to Brazil. I had to get more touchy-feely. You know, we can know God from afar. We can know God and keep him at arm's length. But no, that isn't his choice. Even though it sounds a little touchy-feely, maybe even a little mystical, you know, what I'm sharing with you, I don't make up. This is the God that wants to communicate with you. This is the God of the Bible. He wants a personal relationship with us. 
See, and it all begins by believing in his son, Jesus. And over time, getting to know him as any father hopes to know his child, that relationship builds. Now, maybe your earthly father never hugged you. Maybe your earthly father never, never gave you a kiss on the cheek. But I want you to know that your heavenly father is the kind who would. See, the wonder of the resurrection is a story that really starts with death. It's also a story that just celebrates life. And it all happened for one reason. Because God loves you. Let's pray. Father, as we are closing this, this service of celebration for the resurrection, Father, we just can't thank you enough. We, from, our, from all our hearts, we just cry out to you and say, thank you, Lord, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we think about what we just studied in your Bible and your word, Father, we thank you that, that it can be something that we can pack up and take home with us. And I pray that be so. May your words of love remain with us beyond this service. Bless each person here in Jesus' name. Amen.